This is Thomas Archer, and you're listening to Chasing Birdies. We are back here for another episode of Chasing Birdies, and this one is going to be a good one, my man. What's up, JP? Not much, man. I'm so glad to always hear the same intro from you because that means we have another episode. Well, I don't know exactly. I mean, we are consistent in that regard. I don't know what else to say. What do you want me to say? Hey, guys. Welcome back. Yeah. Chasing Birdies. Yeah. This is what we do. Love so thank it. you. Love, I love it, man. It. I love so it, man. good to see you, bud. How yeah, you doing? Good you to been? see you. Good. Everything's good. We played with a couple of the boys on Monday at Nemico one, and mm. uh, getting them ready for the playing through. So the golf game, I had three double bogeys. Not great. You played really good, bud. I shot seventy-seven. You shot seventy-three. You played great. So mm-hmm. thanks, bud. Your game's rounding up, bud. Well, it's true. I mean, you know, earlier this week, last weekend, I played in the member member down at Pete Dye, which is a fun event. They do a two-man and the member member, same weekend, same days. So one's gross, one's net. And uh, Brandon Katzif and myself, you know, we, we came in second place. We put up a really good effort over the weekend, but came up short. We had one debacle on Sunday. But uh, anyways, I played well both days. I played well the previous Friday, and I played well Earlier this week, I'm oh, on with you so boys. Four days, four days in a row. Let's go. Well, so you mentioned Brandon Katzoff, uh-huh. uh, good buddy of ours and owner of Joyce's Jewelry. Yep. Uh, make sure you go to Joyce'sJewelry.com. Check them out. They have something for everyone, any price point that you want, but they specialize in wedding bands, engagement rings, settings. Uh, maybe you, you know, you're married and you want to redo the, the old ladies. Ring. They can do it. You want to use diamonds from grandma's ring. They'll do that too. They can use the stones and remount it. So Joyce'sJewelry.com, they can do it all for you. And they're great people. So they'll get you taken care of. Brandon at Joyce'sJewelry.com. I mean, was he on the phone at all while you were? He's working all the time, buddy. I love it. And so that leads into great customer service. So if you email Mm -hmm. him, he will take care of you. Chasing birdies at checkout gets you 20% off. So go over there, get something. So live golfer, Mr. Brooks Kepka wins the PGA championship in solid fashion. I mean, coming out the gate, you know, it was kind of a, it was a battle, dude. That course played so hard for these guys. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but a live player now has taken a major. major champion. And I'm so mad at myself. Earlier in that week, I, you know, you had mentioned bets, and I said Brooks Kepka in the back of my head, and I said it out loud, Brooks mm-hmm. Kepka. Well, guess what I did? I didn't do Brooks Kepka. I didn't do anybody. So there's no money. And uh, I think that I owed a lot of money from Monday to the boys at, from Nashville. So yeah, you got you. Mm-hmm. There was a good True. story, though, from the PGA. Michael Block, it was awesome to see. The guy made the cut, even par, played on the weekend. Saturday with Justin Rose, played pretty good. Found out he was playing with Rory McIlroy. Guys two over going into, I believe, the 15th hole, which is a par three, mm-hmm. and he slam dunks, aces it. Mm-hmm. Gets him to even par, finishes 13th, I think, in the event. So he's he's got a lot of events. I, th- I saw that he got into this week's event. Yeah, he um, is. He's playing. And then got a couple exemptions for the major. So that was a really cool story because I don't think a PGA professional has finished Inside the top 10, they said. No. No, and that was his goal. He, he, he mentioned that, that that's what he wants to do, finish top 10 in the PJ Championship. and um, $288,000 to the bank. It's a lot of lessons, bud. A lot of lessons. And if you're trying to get lessons and you live in Wexford, PA, or Pittsburgh, you go to X-Golf in Wexford, Pennsylvania, and you can get in there, Work on your swing. Hit some balls. The balls pick up for the for you. You don't even got to touch them. I love saying that. I know. But X-Golf in Wexford, check them out. Get your game right. It's golf season, people. But today, we got to tell you a little bit about our guest here on Chasing Birdies. We have Thomas Archer coming at you today, songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee. We went down to Nashville. We did this interview in person with Thomas. We played Troubadour. We yucked it up. He's written songs for Luke Combs, Morgan Wallen, Morgan Wallen, and among many others. I think the coolest thing about this interview is the Keith Whitley story of him telling the the story behind Keith mm-hmm. Whitley, which is a new song on Morgan Wallen's mm-hmm. album. So, I just think it's an interesting, uh, interesting interview. But what about you? 
I love it. Uh, it's a great interview, and and he wrote also Truth About You with oh, our buddy Mitchell Tenpenny. So um, without further ado, which I say a lot, yeah, it's like let's roll it on over to Thomas Archer. Let's go. All right, guys, welcome back here to another episode of Chasing Birdies, and welcome us back to the great state of Tennessee here in Nashville. We're coming at you today with one of Nashville's hottest songwriters in the industry right now, Mr. Thomas Archer, my man. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you all for having me. I mean, this is great. We get to do it in person, get to meet you. It's always better for us when we actually get to be with the guests. You know, you do this stuff on Riverside, which is kind of like Zoom, and you don't get that energy or kind of the personalization that we get right now. So this is great, man. It's good to see you. We had to get him out of bed early today, bud. I mean, eight thirty. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have two little I, ones, so you're up. You're this is half the day is gone already. Oh, absolutely. The sun's up here at what five fifteen, I think, and we're up at five fifteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is yep. like lunch. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, especially with little ones like that. Yeah, but I mean, you're kind of used to it now. <laughs> but, up every um, morning at five thirty. Yep, it's crazy. So. You know, chasing birdies, we're all chasing birdies in life, and you have been a very successful songwriter here in Nashville. And, you know, kind of with us, as the podcast grew over the last couple of years, we've kind of found a niche within this Nashville marketplace. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've had other country singers on, other songwriters as well, but um, it's always great to have different perspectives from from people in your line of work. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more about you, Thomas, and kind of where you came from, how you got to Nashville and what you're doing today to keep writing those number one hits, man. Yeah. So I got here in 2012. Uh, I went to school for accounting. I think Cole Taylor went to school for the same thing. I finished, and uh, I'd played through bands all through college. Yeah. They don't really tell you what you're going to do with accounting until it's like <laughs> you're ready to walk. And they really didn't want to jump in, you know, jumpstart that. And a buddy taught me and said, hey, Hey, graduate on Saturday. Let's go to Nashville on Monday. Never been before. And we visited well, about two or three days and realized the writing community and went to the bars, had a blast and realized there's a whole other world that I could possibly focus on without and keep accounting in my back pocket, mm-hmm. at least for you know a few years or, yeah. or a few months, whatever it is. And we found a lease and moved like a couple of weeks later. Just we didn't know anyone. And we said, we, we know enough that we can, I think we can figure it out. So you went to the University of Georgia. I went to Georgia College. Georgia it's, College. It's like the jumper school. <laughs> like okay. You, you go to Georgia College because you can't get into Georgia. But you're a big Bulldogs intent, fan. Huge, huge. <laughs> with intent to go to Georgia, and then a lot of people just stay. We're about an hour and 15, hour 30 from Athens. So huge Georgia fan. And I feel like that's what everyone that we've talked to that are, that's part of the country music scene is they come here, and like two weeks later, they're moving here. I feel like you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it, right? You're you're going to, you, and you guys are taking so many chances and risks on yourselves to do that, right? It's a certain mentality with a lot of people that move here. Whatever business they're into, is, I joke to my buddies that work in Atlanta. There, you know, a lot of people are doing what they went to school for. You can meet someone up here nine times out of ten, they either didn't go to school or they're trying to avoid doing what they went to school for yeah. and just trying to piece together this entrepreneurship of mm-hmm. whatever their you know their focus is. Yeah, and that's 100% accurate, you know, because you go to some of these bars and the bartenders, you know, they're trying to make it in the in the biz. They're trying to either get some type of writing gig or, you know, a, a record deal, so to speak. And and that's cool to see that people, you know, in today's day and age where everything, you know, you feel like is instantaneous. But here it's like people still got to work their ass off, put the time in to try to make it. Well, look at your cousin. I mean, we were just talking to him. He's working two jobs. He's at Lucchese. Yeah. He's working at mm-hmm. Lucchese and he's trying to get involved in the country music scene. And he's like, listen, I'll, I'll be a merchandise manager for a tour yeah. to start. And that's what somebody said last night is that's basically where you're going to start. And then you can get up to being a TM and. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, when you move here, you have to be shameless and just have skin like leather to be yep. told no. Yep. And it may take 10,000 no's to get one yes and just take advantage of that yes and kind of work your way out of the trenches because everyone started there. I don't know. There's few success stories where they had it all pieced together before they came here. Yeah. So you yeah. move here and you're a songwriter. How do you meet other songwriters to write with? And that's the process that people don't understand that goes into country music. We've been around it a little bit 
with people over the last couple of years and we've kind of figured out that there's, you're actually writing it. It's not the performer necessarily. And all, there's a whole process to it. People don't realize that. So how did you get to meet other people to get where you are now? Well, you, you want to surround yourself with where all the music is. So every night of the week, there was a writer's round, say a Monday night whiskey jam. Great event. And uh, Tuesday nights, revival. Wednesday nights, Bobby's Idol Hour, Idol Hour and, or Blue Bar. And those were the premier rounds. And you just knew that songwriters would be there. And you just, you're going out drinking every night. Mm-hmm. I mean, you stay up till two and try to wake up early and complete a task that day and network and network and network. And finding your crowd is, is like asking someone on a date, a blind date. You meet them in a bar, talk 15 minutes, say, oh, you like the Braves. I like the Braves. Let's write in the morning. You have anything going on? No, I don't have anything going on. Okay, let's meet at my house at 9 or 10 in the morning and see what we can come up with. I mean, it's a vicious cycle of that. Were you writing before you came to Nashville? A little bit, a little bit. So I played in a band in college, and we were doing the last three years of school. I stayed for five years on a four-year degree. The last three years, uh, we were doing probably 100 shows a year, and I was just playing guitar. I loved playing guitar. And we traveled up and down the East Coast. I mean, in college, we would – during the summer, we would go to Key West and be a house band for six weeks. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of the road experience prior to that. But you're asked to, or you're told, you're not even asked, you're told, play covers. Mm-hmm. Play covers. Play covers. Play, don't let people leave this bar with some original. So we wanted to work originals in the set. So that's where my love for writing came from. It was like, okay, let's write originals, but let's make it sound as with tempo, something to keep them in the bar. And knowing that process and figuring out that process was like, okay, you can possibly make a career out of this if you get around the right people. No, and, and I think that to to Jonathan's point a little bit ago, you know, one thing that, that I've learned personally, and I know he may, I can speak for him too, is that a lot of these songs you hear on country radio, there's a writer behind them. It's not always that artist that's putting those pieces together. Now, I know in some cases there may be, you know, help in that regard, but it's like, hey, we're writing 55 songs a week. We're putting this out to five or six different artists, hoping they put it on hold. We've learned what that was. And so the whole songwriting realm is just extremely fascinating to me because I don't know if that's true for every other genre. Like me, I like I like alternative rock, punk rock. So I know those guys are in, in the studio writing the songs themselves. But, you know, when you look at pop or these other these other genres, I don't know if it's necessarily true that these artists aren't writing like it is for country. And I think, you know, and I want to hear about your your imagination, so to speak, because country music tells a story. There's got to be that catch, that hook, that alignment of what you're trying to convey and how it connects with someone that's listening to it. Um, so I, I'm just fascinated with it, buddy. You can tell I'm a little bit excited right now, huh? I know. We, we, take a breather. Okay. Well, I can't speak for... <laughs> Many other genres, country, I mean, rock world, I don't know. I guess they, they probably get in the studio and kind of work some stuff out. And there's probably some some top line going on behind the scenes. L.A. gets a little bit more loose with their schedules. You hear stories, but we're not starting until 4 in the afternoon and we're going until 4 in the morning. Nashville's more of a structure. It's structured. It's a day job. It is. I try to get in at 9, like Cole said, on his podcast. Try to write one, knock one out, at least half of it. 9 to 11 and go to 11 till whenever we're done with that one. And we try to make the most efficient of our time when we are in the writing mode. And like this time of year, cold weather months, writing mode. There's no distractions. It's cold. It's miserable up here. Get in early, leave late, and it gets a little bit more lax when the weather gets nice. You see tourists get started up. Artists yeah. aren't in town as much. Mm-hmm. So when it's the weather's not as great, you know, during your November, December, January, February, March, April, early May, that's work time. Mm-hmm. Like. So that's when we're grinding it out. How, so whenever you come up with a song and uh, you're in writing mode, is it like if you're at a restaurant and you hear somebody say something, you kind of like, oh, man, I'll save that right in your phone. And is that kind of how this builds? The idea, Your ideas come from hearing other people talk, or is this kind of mostly your ideas? Uh, it comes from every. I mean, songwriters, you always have a radar going looking for an idea, mm-hmm. looking for a title. You can pull it from anywhere. I mean, it's good to read magazines, watch movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Just live life, mm-hmm. be around people, real people, mm-hmm. hear them talk and not yourself so much and just hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Some of the best ideas I hear talking to my buddies back home in Georgia and just hearing what they're going through, what what's going on in their life. And then just take all your life experiences and put it in your knowledge of how to how to put those 
that 30 minute conversation into a two and a half minute song. Mm-hmm. Like the Mitchell Tenpenny truth about you, which you've written. It's a number one. Um, right. You know, did it go? Pl- what is it? Platinum? I think we're platinum now. Yeah. Oh, I know we're platinum. I don't know if it's double platinum or not yet. Okay. Which is better. That's than a great problem platinum. to have though, right? Yeah. <laughs> double platinum is better than platinum. That song, if you actually listen to the lyrics, it is so good because it is. I mean, when there's a breakup, you know, I'm not going to tell the truth about you type thing. Mm-hmm. Where, did, like, where did that all come from? That came from the brain of Matt Alderman. Uh, he brought the idea in, and we were with Mitchell that, I think it was like an afternoon, right? Maybe he had some stuff to do. We knew he only had his attention for maybe two hours that day. And I got in a little early. Matt was already sitting there. And... Didn't tell me he had the idea until after Mitchell got there. And when he threw it out, we all knew it was – I mean, he said it verbatim of what the hook was. And we just kind of looked at each other and said, okay, that's a hit unless we mess it up. And Mitchell was on board. Matt was obviously on board, and he had pre-written a bunch of it. And I was just happy to be there that day and help contribute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great song. And, you know, your list of songs, if you look up – Thomas Archer and look at his writing credits. I mean, it's a pretty impressive list, man. And going back, you know, I know you came here in 2012. So a couple years after that, you, uh, you get on a write with a guy and he actually said this in Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. You know, this, this song that I wrote was with a buddy of mine, two guys, he didn't say your name, but you write a song called hurricane for Luke Combs, which obviously, I mean, that thing had, had to take off. That song's well known. Yeah, what that, is it like triple platinum? Or yeah, I think it's eight times platinum. Eight times platinum. So, which I mean, there's not many diamond country songs. So that's the goal is to get it to ten, ten times platinum. I think it's diamond. That's insane. That song was a blessing, and that was, I guess, the product of being green and not knowing the rules of writing. Yeah, I'd been here two years. Luke had kind of just started coming in town, and Taylor Phillips had just started coming in town. None of us had that many rights under our belt. And, and that's what we came up with that day. And at that time, and you got to think where I was then, two years out of college with a degree that's getting dated. It, my mindset is I might have to touch up on some accounting. Like this, <laughs> this might, this backup plan is, yeah, I might be reaching in my back pocket for it. So we write the song, and it's just another at the time. It's just another song. No one says, "Oh, you wrote a hit today." So 2015 goes by, and Luke says, "A whole year, I'm going to record it and put it out." Okay. 2016 goes by and I think it became a hit in maybe 17. So there's three years. That's uh five years in the town that you're just kind of wondering and you're betting on yourself. And so, that's what people don't understand is it's not like you just wrote a song today and it's coming out next week. It could sit there for two, three years and not do anything. It could be put on hold and they not do anything with it yet, but it's just sitting there. Right. Because you have a book of songs. How many how many songs would you say are in your book of songs right oh, now? Oh gosh. That you've written. Uh, 180 a year times 10 or 11. Holy shit. So a lot. <laughs> oh my god. And and those have not been touched. Like those haven't been touched, right? No, they're just in a big pile of I hope so one day, you know. That's crazy. Well, I'm sure with your accounting background, you have a good way to like kind of you know, inventory of those songs. It it helps. Lifeo, little organization. Lifeo. Was there anything about that song? I'm curious that after the fact, you wish was different about it. I think we. I think it's perfect, I like and that's it. very rare. There's other hits I've written, and and you think about it when it comes out, and you're like, ah, I don't know if that was the best line for that particular mm-hmm. moment, but no one notices. Yeah, but that one, I feel like it was a play by play, and I don't think we wasted a word where it landed in the song. Yeah. And the way they cut it, the way Luke sang it, just the story of it. The uh, I think those were the scratch vocals that Luke sang in the in the uh, studio. Like he didn't at the time, he didn't have enough money to get professional vocals and a professional recording. So he got a professional recording, and just they used his vocals that he just sang That's like insane. this, like talking like this, and he got it in one take. So so it, his but that made the track. That, his vocals on that weren't professionally recorded. I mean, they were. Pro- they were the scratch vocals that he sang in when they were cutting it as a band, which is, I don't think unheard of, unheard of. That's wild. I mean, maybe one takes back when there were four track recorders back in like the sixties or seventies, maybe where you had to get it right the first time. But yeah, that was a one take. And, and for you, that's, that's freaking life changing, dude. That's awesome. Like was. you can breathe now at that point in your life. 
Yeah, at that point, it was that one. It rolled out, and then as soon as that one peaked or started to peak, I had my second one go out. But there was a moment in time where it was validation. It was, okay, I do need to be here. I don't need the backup plan just yet. But even the worst day with a single is the day that it does peak, and you wonder, can I back it up? Uh So I was fortunate enough where Walker Hayes, you broke up with me, came out right afterwards. And that was the whole, I exhaled on that one. We're like, okay, we're doing the right thing. Well, it's in, you know, we're going to talk about golf, but it's similar to, to golf, right? No, we're not talking about golf. Not yet. I mean, this but, is unbelievable. But I'm saying it's similar in golf when he's talking about validating. <laughs> right. It's like you went on a PGA tour, right? Well, right. you got to win a second one to validate yeah. the first one. And then yeah. it's just all rolling from there. Yeah. I mean, that the hurricane, dude, when it first came out, it's just catchy. Oh, my God. It's incredible. But like he said just now, like Walker Hayes, that song, he broke up with me. That blew up and you have another song with luke combs loving on you loving on you that was the next single that i had with him and i think we wrote that one i think 2017 so probably right around the time he just got a bus his own bus like he had his band bus and we used to pack in there 12 deep on a 12 bunk but when he got that one he wanted to have more riders out and more riders being like not just me like other ones mm-hmm. when he had his own bus and he had more room and we wrote that one on a run i think we wrote it in Kansas City, Missouri, just one afternoon. Just kind of threw it together with Ray Fulcher and James McNair. Just threw it, it together. It's, it's so crazy. It, it is it. nuts to me that you you sit there, you write it out an idea. That idea could be worthless or it could get, you know what I mean? It's one of those things that you don't know what is in front of you. But like you said, when you wrote uh, Hurricane, you said this is going to be a hit. Right. Or Luke said that. Yeah. You never know. I mean, some of your – it's hard – you try not to fall in love with every song that you write because they're only there to disappoint you in the end when you have Women. when you write that many in a year and you think this is a hit. It's almost like a jinx a little bit. So yeah. you try to stay modest in your head about it and and be hopeful because when we write it, that's my control's done. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's politics going behind the scenes. The artist needs to love it. The label needs to love it. Radio needs to need it. There's a lot that goes on that has nothing to do with me, but. That's, that's kind of your baby. That mm-hmm. You want something to work with. So luck has to fall your way. The song has to be the right mood of what they're needing at radio at that time. And uh, you just hope that the wind blows in your direction every once in a while. Well, and I, and I will say this. You know, there's another song that you just wrote recently. Well, actually, it's not recently. It just came out recently. Keith Whitley with Mr. Morgan Wallen. And I was listening to the song. I'm like, before I even knew that you were part of it, this song is pretty, this is, this is good. And then I saw your post on social media that you were part of a writer. So what was that whole process like? Are these guys so different or are they similar? You know, when you're writing with Luke Combs, when you're writing with a Morgan Wallen, when you're writing with Walker Hayes. I think they're all similar. I treat them as similar as they want a product that hasn't been heard. So to me, that's similar because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to say I write just this or this style. At the end of the day, they want a hook. They want it to twist. They want it different. And, yeah, their brands are different, completely different, a lot of them. But they want a great song and something different. You know, if, when you're writing a song, I don't want to ground out first. I want to swing for the fences, and it's mm-hmm. going to be a long fly ball. Like, it may be the worst song, but it was a long shot. And I think a lot of those artists together, especially Walker, Walker has a completely different brand than anyone's doing now. Morgan has this thing. Luke has this thing. And they're distinct brands, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And, yeah, and it revolves around great hooks and great songs. What's the, uh, so on Morgan Wallen's new album, you know, Keith Whitley, the song we're talking about that you, you wrote, what's the whole premise behind that song? Or what, what's, I guess from your perspective, what's the point of that song? Because you, listeners listen to it and they can make it out as they want to. But what was the idea for you going into that song? So I showed up to the right that day with Jared Mullins and Brad Clawson. And we didn't really know, I didn't know what we were going to write that day. I mean, it was just, it was, it's a songwriter's day. There's not an artist in the room. We're just going to write a good song and try to make it stand out. And Jared walked in and said, hey, I want to write a song called Keith Whitley. I said, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, a, I'm aware of Keith Whitley. I know his songs. I love his songs. He said, that's, uh, and that's Morgan's cousin, by the way, is Jared Mullins. And he said, that's Morgan's favorite country singer. He said, there has to be some kind of parallel that we can come up with and make it relatable. I said, Okay, we started that day. Jared made us watch a Keith Whitley documentary. So for like an hour, we watched everything about Keith Whitley, and we would kind of come up with these parallels a little bit. And 
we just chiseled away at a few ideas the first day. I think that took about three days to write. And I mean, it's kind of a complicated, which song lines do we want to use? Which melody, which groove? And, it, and that one took, took some time to, to come up with that one. It, we didn't throw it together in 45 minutes by any means. Yeah, I mean. So I my question say, to you is, whenever you and Jared, uh, you know, send this to Morgan, was he like, holy shit, this is, this is it. This well, is good. Well, Jared played for him. He went on a bus run with him and played it for him and said he loved it. But he could tell he didn't. Whatever one shade under love is, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was where he was. And they started talking and said, what would you change about it, Morgan? He said, I don't love the second verse, and I would do kind of a bridge like this. And then Jared said, well, come write it with us. Take some ownership in it. You know, Be a part of the song with us. Let's get it exactly how you want it. And he said, no, I don't want to you know, take money out of a songwriter's pocket when I know that y'all can do it. So he gave us another shot at it. And we sent it back to him with the new version. And he said, love it. That's me. See, that's the shit that people don't hear about. I know. That's cool shit. Somebody like him could have just been like, yep, I'm in on it. So you had to Instead, he knows, listen, you guys are going to make your money. I'm going to make my money when I perform it. We're all golden. Did you change the words of the verse or the melody? We or? changed the uh, words of the second verse. I think we rewrote the whole second verse. Then we added a bridge under his. He kind of directed where the bridge needed to go. He wanted kind of a. Miami, Miami kind, yeah, of, kind yeah. of deal for the bridge. And, I mean, he guided it, and he didn't want to put his name on it, didn't, didn't you know, he didn't want to take money out of our pockets as writers or anything. And what, that's a that's what, class what, act. What's class the act. Miami have to link to Keith Whitley, though? Uh, that was just one of his songs, Miami, Miami. Oh, see? So a lot I'm of them done. are song titles that we kind of put in there, but we put the ones that kind of related the story of where the singer was going through. Yeah. with the storyline. It, it was tough to find the, the right ones because there's so many good songs that Keith Whitley has that variations that didn't make the cut of the song. That's such a, that's a great story. That's cool <laughs> dude, as shit, dude. This is, but this is what I'm telling you. When you understand the whole background of country music and you actually see them perform, I now realize how much goes into that song that he is performing. Mm-hmm. You got to write it. You got to record, you know, um, what are they, what were they Demo saying? it. Demo it. Then you got to hope he puts it on hold, and then he's got to record it, and then it. There's yeah. so many steps to one song, and that's why it's so impressive to see these guys perform. Oh yeah, I mean, if we do it, if we were to write a song, sit down today, okay, maybe we come up with an idea, maybe we finish it, then we have to go get it recorded. That kit gets on the back burner. Just wait a couple months, start pitching around. Maybe they put it on hold. There's another year before they go into cut. They cut it. The album doesn't come out for another six, seven, eight months. And then maybe it goes to radio. There's a three-year cycle, and that's fast. I think the average life song on the radio is, I think someone told me, four years. Mm. So kind of going back to like moving to town and people betting on themselves in, in Nashville or, and figuring out, are you meant for being a writer? Are you meant to be an artist? If you're not giving it five years, you really don't know if you could have done it mm-hmm. or not. And that's on a fast track. They call it a 10-year town. So five years, is, is you're splitting it in half. That's what George Bird said. Then you're done. You just got to have that mindset when you're going into it. Just know it's going to take take some time. Right. Um, so you got Jason Aldean on your belt. You got Luke Combs on your belt. You now have Morgan Wallen on your belt. You got Mitchell Tenpenny on your belt. You did some stuff with Colt Ford, Walk, Walker Hayes. What do you want to do now? I mean, who else? If you could pick someone that you would want to cut a song for, who would uh, it be? Dead or Alive, by the way. Dead I, or Alive? Yeah, like it. it I'll take the new guy that moved to town every single time. They have their whole future ahead of them. So like Bailey Zimmerman. I would love to have a song with Bailey Zimmerman. Bailey, you listening, bud? Like, we love you here. Like, let's go. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've kind of, I've had success working with young guys in town and and before they're a brand and and trying to help them. And that's what I love to do is help someone and and figure out where they're going. And kind of, my wife, when I first moved here, when I met her, we were dating. She used to work for management doing like social media and stuff when that was like, kind of a branding thing. Mm-hmm. And so I got to be in the room when they were having conversations of, okay, here's the single because we can market it this way, or here's the brand. Here's what we're going to do. And that kind of stuck with me with writing of like, okay, here's this guy. What is the brand? Okay. Let's write a song that kind of, that fits his people that he hasn't even made fans yet. Mm-hmm. And let's build it that way. So it's kind of, it's a thought out kind of thing, but I love it. So I'll take, yeah, over. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a George Street? song yeah. but at the end of the day it's a business and i'll take the young guy that that'll probably cut 10 more yeah 
Now, I love that. have you performed any of the songs that you've written with them, with the person that's singing it? Uh, I've played some stuff with Luke, like little writer's rounds yeah. and things that he pulls us at you up for. Yeah, that's cool. Which is always great. I'd be nervous as shit. Shit, man. Yeah, it's hard to out-sing those guys. So you're kind of, you just go in with his voice. Like, is like, like, I know I'm second place or third or fourth, whoever's. Take the back seat, <laughs> yeah, right? You're going to be able seat. to take the back seat. Well, I saw him a couple weeks ago at the new home of your boy, Broderick Jones, because he was drafted by the Steelers. Georgia Bulldog. I yeah. love him. Pickens. And uh, yeah. Oh, my God. What a stud he is. Oh, yeah. But, but he had that place rocking. Luke Luke Combs had that place rocking. He said that was the most. This is what he said: that it was the most tickets he's ever sold for, for to a show. It was like sixty two thousand people. You got a chasing birdie shirt on. I do. Thank y'all for sending it. Uh, it looks good. Holderness and born. So yeah, let's talk, let's talk golf. golf game because that's bit. our our passion here. That's how oh, I absolutely. met you. I met you through our, our buddy George Bird. Hey, George, um, who I met through golf and. You know, I got to play uh, Troubadour with some of you you and your buddies, and we had a blast. And I can tell that you love the game of golf. Where did your love for the game come from? Uh, so growing up, we grew up on a cattle farm. Mm. And there's only so much to do out there. You can ride the gator yeah. around and stuff. But we got golf clubs at a young age, so I learned how to play golf hitting golf balls at cows. <laughs> That's so fun. There was, yeah. there was plenty of acres to do it. And it wasn't until I was probably – 16 that I actually played a full round on a course. Like we were members of the country club, but we, we didn't, weren't like, we weren't the family going out there playing, knocking out 18 holes on yeah. Sunday after church. But we'd always go back to the farm and we would hit balls, hit balls, hit balls, hit balls. And then some of my best friends and uh, my roommate in college, best friend in high school and college, he played on a golf team. So we'd go out there and learn how to play rounds from him. Was tipping cow, cow tipping popular? In I, your area, I don't. I can't say I've seen that. But that's not even. It may be a legend. It, I don't know because I've never participated. But up up where, where I'm from, but they West tip Virginia, you ever. And yeah, cow tipping. But um, that's good target practice though. You know, hitting balls at a cow. Oh yeah. Uh, getting getting the wedges down in a little bit. Georgia, we, you know, because you're from Georgia, we got to play Peachtree a couple years ago, which, you know, is one of Bobby Jones gems aside from augusta but it's kind of similar to augusta in a lot of ways it's opposite so bending similar. than augusta but you know that was for me personally speaking of georgia that was a great time um getting down there and pegging it up but right you're now playing here in nashville you're troubadour at troubadour and that place is 12 out of 10 it is <laughs> it spoils you it's, it's a different experience i think than your than peach tree for sure you know oh, and, oh yeah and it, i think I don't know their mindset, but, you know, the grow in the game of golf, you have your uh-huh. traditional courses. They will always be traditional, and I love them to death. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other side of, like, okay, let's, let's get have a, fun. Let's have fun. Mm-hmm. There's room for that as well. Mm-hmm. So, And I love both of them and everything in between. Well, I think that's the crossover right now in golf. I mean, if you look at live relative to what was before live, they're doing the same. I mean, Liv's troubadour. Live is troubadour, and PGA Tour is Peachtree. That's, exact, that's the best reference. Dude. Like, Write a song. We got to edit that out. Nobody, nobody hold that one. <laughs> oh man! So yeah. you've been playing a while though. I've, um, yeah, I've played all my life, and I should be a lot better. I mean, I don't have an excuse other than just athletic, just hits. A- athletically just peaked. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I grew up playing all sports, so I have an athletic move on the ball. It's just getting myself to slow down and and actually concentrate and enjoy it and, 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 and be in the moment. Be in the moment. Uh, we went to a fireside thing with Jim Furyk at Sage Valley a few years ago, and his big one said, someone asked, what's your biggest tip? And he said, never be in a rush. From the moment you leave the house to your range, to your the way you approach the tee, never be in a rush. And it's just, you know, how life is busy. It's hard to get in that mindset of, let me just leave the phone in the car. Um, Impossible. Can't this kid, Thomas, when we, we landed in Nashville last night. I'm coming down the escalator with my golf bag, and he says, what do you want from Sunda? <laughs> I said, what are you ordering my fucking dinner right now, dude? And he's like, all right, I'll wait. They close at like, 10, bud. The kid, I, I, told, I was worried. I, I say this to people about Pep. When he's here, he's not here. He's, he's already one step ahead. He's already somewhere else right now ahead of us. So that's just how it's he works. It's the hardest thing to do is to stay in the moment. And the fact that right. he is a fucking scratch golfer 
and is playing his balls off right now. It's unbelievable that you can do that. Now, what did you shoot the last time you were triple? It was a 60, 65. 65. Yeah. 65. yeah. And it's Mitchell tight. Mitchell kept saying, but uh, you're five. Like, Mitchell, can you stop telling me what I am, bud? Like, maybe <laughs> yeah. sleeping. Like, can yeah. we just, like, have fun right now? Because I'm sleeping right now. So that's how to get in your head. Just yeah, ask, just where are you at? Where are you at, bud? Where like, you at? What's your score? Um, but that's the thing, too, is for you, you know, that day that we played with a bunch of people, mm-hmm. if I say I wasn't there, just to Joe Schmo, I wasn't there. Are you guys talking more about ideas, or were there too many people in that group to talk ideas? Uh, we're talking everything but music. I think that's why we love golfing. It's your getaway. And it's the getaway. I mean, obviously, it'll come up in conversation a little bit, like, hey, when you go back on tour or something like that. And, and maybe a song idea comes up in conversation, and you just pin it and say, hey, we'll write that. But we don't really talk about it that much. I think that's everyone's mental escape. Because when you're writing a song, you're banging your head against the wall. I mean, you're mentally, it's exhausting. Yeah. So the last thing you want to do is go out there and have to think about it. I'm already banging my head against the wall trying to figure, figure out how to hit this ball. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. I don't need to add work in with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I do true. have to say that day, I, I didn't drink tequila, boys, going into that day. Mm-hmm. No. My new choice of drink is tequila since that day. You're a connoisseur? I'm a connoisseur, man. I already have a drink named after me, the Pepe Casamigos Blanco with orange. <laughs> um, well, you may have some for breakfast this morning. Yeah, I mean, as soon as we get there. So, uh, but I literally I never drank tequila because from college my mind was so screwed up. Like I drank that shit. Like who's a Cuervo? Right. Uh, I mean, he's eating a worm. And <laughs> that day, dude, literally every night I have a glass. Yeah. Alcoholic, but. Which is a valid question, bud. Like we should really talk about that one day out off air. Mm-hmm. You no, know, check in with yourself a little bit. Make sure you're not having some issues. No, it's it's controlled. Okay. It's a controlled substance in my house. That's what my mom asked me the other day. Does he have a drinking problem? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, mom. I'm kidding. My mom, me? Uh, yeah. Fun problem. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? Um, but that's back to that whole experience. You know, when you're on the golf course, this is so hard to put down because you're yeah. you can't leave it in the locker room because what if there's an emergency or you know, then you check your phone and it's somebody texting you about a song and you're all thrown off now because it's whatever. That's the most frustrating part about having these cell phones accessible at all times. Oh yeah. And then like, I want to leave the ringer on in case something happens with the boys at school, something. And I don't want it going off with a gazillion group text or even hear it vibrate. It always happens when you're on the tee box, you're never in the cart, you're on the tee box ready to hit. And then you hear your phone going off, vibrating against the cart. You know, it's yours too. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the worst part is you tell people you're going golfing. It's like they don't care. They're still going to bother you anyways. I mean, I know life takes over at some points, but the bottom line is this. I know for some, you know, with work and stuff, it's like I'm going golfing and I'm still getting fucking people calling me about stuff. I'm like, you know, but it's a balance, man. Right. I and, guess it's and, a balance. And I get why some of the high end clubs, they, they don't allow them in the, in the, uh, in a, in a clubhouse, in, in the clubhouse on the course. I get it. I mean, they're preserving what it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to catch that, that feeling without going to there because they're not going to, are you, you not carry it? You're, you're, you're carrying it. Yeah. Right. Are you more, if you had to pick, you're playing golf, are you more sunset or dew sweeper? Like, do you want to get off early and enjoy the morning? Or do you like coming, making the stretch, hitting 15 at 7 o'clock at night, a little cooler? What, what's your preference? Uh, It's kind of a, I, I think that comes back to like a kid's question. I have kids now. So the idea of a morning round saves the rest of the day. And yeah. you get to knock out that too. But I also love coming in at sunset too. I know. Those are great days. It's that's well, that night we were doing sunset. It was pretty good. That's starting October. to be my um I think for me. I think the the later. Like tee off at three. Right. I'm starting to like that more than I used to be the opposite. You'd be like, Hey, I want to get done. Right. Be back by twelve, twelve thirty. Right. And it, to the time of season, like it's nice to catch a late summer round, like in the afternoon, midsummer. Football season, like Saturday, I want to watch football all yeah, day. Heck so yeah. The early morning round, even just nine holes, just knock out something early. First yeah. tee time, get back to the house, watch game day. Yeah. That's the ideal time then. Now, you have two boys. So are they into the golf and wha- or just even just whacking it around or are you trying to get them around the game? They're around it. They're exposed to it for sure. Our, our youngest one, he's three. He'll go out and do, he'll do whatever you do. I mean, right. Uh, but he loves hitting the golf balls and everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Love riding the golf cart. All these guys that you're speaking of, you know, well, hell, I think all of them are well, 
Yeah, well, and loving on you. I think you put we, something in there about a par five. Oh, yeah. That was a selfish line. Once we figured out what the song was going to be and we had the first verse of I like this, I like this, I think then it turned personal. Like, oh, I like a Miller Lite before noon, birdie on a par five. And then all of us golf in that group. So the, the line stuck. Yeah, that's, that, that's a great that's a great line. That was going to be my question. Like, do you do ever, ever golf trips for writers? Like, writing retreats on the golf course or at golf resorts? Uh, we have. Uh, James McNair, his dad, has a course in Aiken, South Carolina. So we've taken a retreat down there and uh, rode a little bit at night and golfed during the day. Fun time. We always talk about doing it more, and it's probably more appealing now. Golfers want to be singers. Singers want to be golfers. So it's not hard to twist an artist's arm and say, hey, let's go golfing. And if a song happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But regardless, we're just hanging. We're having a good time. We, we got you covered in the Northeast. If you want to come up there, we got West Virginia covered and uh, Southwest PA. Great spots to write music in the country and phenomenal golf. Well, he was com- originally golf. coming to Nemecolin, but yeah. he's got – was. Yeah, he was, but he's got another – which is why we're here now. He's got to work. I do have to work. Mitchell called and said, do you want to come on the bus run? He's on the Aldine tour and having songs with Aldine and Mitchell, and Mitchell wants to write. And obviously, I want to take in any chance I get to hear your songs when Aldine plays it in front of an arena, stadium, whatever they're playing. And uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer. So, that, that definitely comes first. Absolutely. Golf always comes second or third. Yeah. Yeah. But There's family in between. There. There, there's family there. So whenever you're writing, clear mind, are you having a glass of – you know, tequila Damn. or a Bud Light or, or sometimes. I mean, not at a 9 a.m., but if, if we're on like a, you know, a retreat or something, you, you cut loose a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, especially out of town and more in that environment. But in during the week here, I mean, it's more it's kind of like an office job when we get in. Dude, I feel like you guys would love writing like in Jackson, Wyoming. Oh, yeah. Going to play Shooting Star. Shooting Star, yeah. Yeah, we just went last year. Uh, I went with Tyler Farr. We went to Cody, Wyoming. Cody, Wyoming. And we had the cabin. We wrote, I don't know, three or four songs. He's cutting a couple of them. Just cut one the other day. But it was the best environment. We went to the rodeo. We were just kind of like blended in with the yeah. locals, wore cowboy hats. Yeah. So we had a blast. That's some Taylor Sheridan shit right there, boys. Yellowstone guy. That's what you got to do. You got to drown yourself in that environment, man. And being able to say you play golf, especially having – these artists playing golf too it's probably a relationship builder oh absolutely i mean you can really get to know someone across 18 holes mm-hmm. not even talking about work just talking mm-hmm. life talking golf not just not even talking just mm-hmm. figuring out what pisses them off if their temperament and everything you learn a lot about someone in the course of about three and a half four hours well and that's the thing too is you know even in my line of business it it's really helps with me too the amount of business that's come from golf i owe golf a lot of a lot, and it's just because, you know, the relationships. I mean, odds of you and I meeting, probably not very good if it wasn't for golf. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Probably not. Uh, or George Burge, but we won't tell him that one. Um, so golf to me, and again, I want my kids to play it. I want. I don't even care if they play it right now. I just want them to be around it so that they enjoy it. And, uh, you know, taking the kids on the golf cart and let them drive it around. Parker just wrecked it into a tree the other day. Um, <laughs> that's nice. But, yeah, I mean, for me, golf golf has meant a lot. And the relationships you can form are incredible. I want to know what you thought of him the first time because you just said you learned so much about someone in four hours. Like, Jonathan well, Pepe. He clearly my, my, he beat the, our ass. He, well, he clearly. <laughs> is what he did. But we had a blast. Oh, we had a fantastic but time. We, yeah. we, again, the tequila thing. Like, now it's his, it's, his, it's his fault. It's no one else's fault but him. Yeah. Do you ever see JT over there at Troops? Uh, I've seen him a couple or two or three times. Yeah. It's kind of seasonal. He, what the course didn't have, and I think what kept him from coming a lot, and a lot of the guys, they didn't have a practice facility. Or like they had the range, but they didn't have a short game practice facility, which uh, they just built. So you're probably about take to care see, of that. probably see more of those guys during the season, during off weekends, coming and touching up game during the who, summer. Who was the guy? Um, Played at Vanderbilt. Snedeker. Snedeker. He was on the green there, dude. That stroke is crazy to me. The, the, the pop. The part. little jab putt. He didn't miss one. Yeah, well, that's what. They that's do. why he's on the PGA Tour, bud. For you, what what's your dream course that you have not gotten to play? Augusta. Have oh. you been invited? I have not. And everyone I know has not everyone I know, but most I, most of these guys. I, I, a lot of my buddies have played it. Father in laws have played it. Brother in laws play every. A lot of people. 
Like I'm close to it, one person away, <laughs> six different ways, seven different ways. Well, what's it going to take? I don't know. I just I aggravate everyone I know that's played it. Yeah. I mean, but um, I mean, you see Cole Taylor posting Augusta National. All those guys. Oh yeah, my father-in-law. He played the day that I think all of them played it, and then he texted me a picture of all of them. Said, "Hey, send this to your buddies." So that's like salt and oil, right there. I was like, sure. <laughs> Would you mind taking <laughs> care Looks of this like picture? a good time. <laughs> oh, shoot, man. Uh, no, I mean, if it doesn't happen, if, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It would be great. I grew up an hour away from the course. So Augusta was always like, it's on a pedestal. Yeah. You know, and I didn't get to go until 2019, but I did get to go watch Tiger win it on Sunday, which was epic. Um, oh, that That's that's it. Were you, on, the last uh, one. were you on 18? We didn't go to 18. We watched him putt out on 17, and it was just a madhouse going up through 18. 18. And what, he had a two-stroke lead, I think, at the time. We're like, okay, he's not blowing this. So and it was a shotgun start, and it was about to storm. So we kind of exited at that point. Did he bogey 18? Because I know he missed the green and had a chip. I can't remember if he made that putt for par or if he – I think he bogeyed. I think he did. I think he bogeyed. But he had that two-shot lead. Well, buddy, I tell you what, guys. This is fun getting getting to meet you again. I, I love doing this in person. It's so much more of a, an enjoyable experience for all of us. Appreciate it again. Look forward to playing with you. We're going to transition this over to the last segment of the show called the Tap-In Segment presented by Bettinardi Golf. Check them out online at bettinardi.com. Jonathan's going to ask you four questions. I might have taken one of his questions by accident. I didn't mean to. No I, intent. Yeah, you did. I, I did. I, see, I saw him scurrying over there. <laughs> yeah. My bad. I didn't mean to do that. But he's gonna take it away. All right. Favorite on course drink? Uh I mean transfusion. I mean it's pretty much go to it's like a, a Gatorade. Yeah. Interesting transfusion. Cole Taylor told us a story. Yeah. The confusion. Con- confusion. It's actually confusion. Transfusion is supposed to be the non alcoholic one. Okay, so then a confusion. But, <laughs> but, everybody, but everybody calls it transfusion, so why not? Yeah, right. And if it's hot, Miller Lite. I mean, if I'm sweating, yeah. good. I mean, Miller Lite. Cold Miller Lite. Cold Miller Lite. I, are you a can or bottle? On the course, I like a can. Because a bottle, if you're going across some bumps and you're trying to take a sip, your teeth are shattered. You'll hit you in the teeth. I'm can all day. Not the 16 ounces, just the 12. I like the 12. Yeah. Bingo. Most songs written in one day? Probably like four or five, which was like last week with Mitchell Tenpenny. Like he went in, or we got in early just that morning. He wanted to work and we just... Knocked them out, knocked them out, knocked them out. Great day. Damn. Five, bud. When's the last time you wrote one? Good. Um, Dream foursome can be dead or alive. Okay. Tiger. I mean, historically, I mean, Bobby Jones, just to hear him talk. Georgia history. Yep. Kirby Smart. Ooh. That's a good one. That is a good one. He's doing some amazing yeah. things. Yeah. And just to hear their expertise and everything uh-huh. they do and what they've accomplished. And Kirby I think that would be cool. Yeah. That's All right, one. last question, and I think I know the answer. What are you chasing? It's a broad stroke. Just be a good person. Be be a good dad. Be a great husband. Work hard. Play hard. Enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And it's a broad stroke. but I love that. I think that's what the world needs more of, truthfully. That's great. Mr. Thomas Archer, thank you, buddy. Hey, thank we you We appreciate all. it. Yeah, man. Thanks again here for joining us. such a cool interview because people don't realize that there are songwriters that write these songs daily they meet they meet up they write songs might be a song might be a hit might not be might just throw it into a um a rolodex and for down the down the line and maybe somebody will hold it uh but the story you like that fun? I'm, 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 the terminology is getting what good um but the story about Keith Whitley is so cool. And then I loved hearing about Luke Combs singing Hurricane for the first time. Yeah, I mean, cuts it once, track vocals, whatever they call it, and that's it. But And that song just soars through the charts in 2017, 2018, and now it's like, how many times? Ten times platinum something? So song? we wish nothing but the best to Thomas Archer. Great dude. I mean, the guy is, we have a blast with him great dude kind as it gets and and we drink some beers yeah we had a good time at troubadour and we always look forward to pegging it up with you boys down there again in nashville and we'll do that sooner than later hopefully but but for us here 
now that it is summertime, we played again earlier this week with the Playing Through group here in Pennsylvania, in Farmington, Pennsylvania, at Nemecolon Resort. And it is a phenomenal layout, guys. If you ever get the chance, get online, nemecolon.com. Bring your family here, your significant other. There's something for everyone. Whether you are or aren't a golfer, you can do anything. And the golf is great. I mean, Mystic Rock on Monday is dynamite. was perfect. Mm-hmm. perfect. That's easy to say, but you played well. Well, I did play well. But, but the course is in great shape. The course shape. is in great shape. I Greens mean, are rolling. The fairways are great. Nuts. You got to give Chris Anderson a shout out mm-hmm. and the team over there. They're doing an incredible job. Uh, so make sure you go to nemicolon.com, book your stay. That's what I just said. And we'll see you all here. And do it again. Yeah. We will. <laughs> He's like, what? Hey, guys, we can't thank you all enough for listening to our podcast. We had a phenomenal phenomenal last couple of weeks with social media posts with interviews going you know through the roof on youtube hey bud you look good on entertainment tv that was funny that was good shit right there so you know it's it's great it's great seeing the support it's great hearing some feedback we are always striving to do better and i just keep fumbling my words i I think it's just the way long story short thank you for tuning in keep tuning in keep listening we appreciate it we're gonna keep bringing you good guests some good content make sure you go to chasingbirdies.com for any episodes that you've missed and some merch we're, we're working on new merch coming up and chasing underscore birdies on instagram give it a little like don't be scared to like our photos we appreciate the support from anyone and everyone yeah 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 that's true no truer words have been said mr peppy Guys, thanks again. Thank you to Evo and Ali over at Simpler Media for putting this thing together for us and our two gals, Jacqueline DiPaterio, Rachel London, for all your social media hard work and dedication to us. We appreciate it very much. You guys have a great weekend. Get out there and chase. My man, how's that apple? We'll catch y'all in two. (laughs)